Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Charles Neiman, Senior Pastor of Abundant Living Faith Center. Hello, church family. Thanks for being in church with us tonight. You know, uh, obviously I'm not at the east side or the west side tonight, but I have just I decided that I, I, I'm loving this teaching on burn the white flag so much that I didn't really want to take a week. So I just came in and prepared this lesson for you because I just want to keep this thought alive on the inside of us. So tonight I pray that God will speak to us, each of us, and will reveal his will for our lives in, in such an important area of walking in God's ways so that we can experience the life that God wants us to have. You'll remember that, that you know, the, the main God purpose of our church is to teach people how to enjoy the abundant life that Jesus came to give them. And so tonight, we're going to look at one of those paths, one of those lanes on the freeway of the wisdom of God that enable us to enjoy the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. All right, are you ready? All right, here we go. Let me give you a quick review, right? Our foundation text in this study has been Luke 18, 1, where Jesus speaks to us and says, I will that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Now, let me give you the definitions once again. And that phrase there in Luke 18, 1, that phrase faint means turn out to be a coward. So Jesus said, I don't want you to turn out to be a coward. It means to lose your courage. Well, you can't lose courage if you didn't have courage to begin with. So what happened to the courage, right? It means to be slothful in duty, to lose your soul or your heart, to grow weary. And the literal text, if you studied out, Jesus said, I don't want you to throw in the white towel or wave the white flag. All right, white flags have always uh, signified surrender or the desire for a truce. Or when an army waves a white flag, it means we want to give up. And so Jesus is saying to us, I don't want you to have that spirit in you. Come on. I don't want you to turn out to be a coward in life. And he's not talking here about so much as life in general as he is about your life in the kingdom of God and having the life that God wants you to have, your family to have, our church family to have. So he's talking about that kind of life, right? So uh, we, we've worked through, and there's been a lot of study, a lot of looking at great verses, and a lot of cool things that we've learned. But I want to give you another definition. That goes along with what Paul's statement in Ephesians 6, that he talks about being men and women of perseverance, all right? Endurance, patience, long-suffering. Let me give you some more definitions of the word perseverance, all right? It means to be persistent in a course of action to know your purpose, to have doggedness. I like that definition. Resolute, unyielding, resolute, unyielding. So there's pressure against us in life to yield, right? To, to back up, to give in, to cave in, to, to, to turn out badly. All of the things that the Bible tells us not to do, okay? And it means holding on. Perseverance means holding on and following a course of action. Activity 
maintained in spite of difficulty, in spite of difficulty, steadfast, long-continued application. The synonym is grit, all right? Grit, all right? So what does grit mean? Grit means firmness of character, to have an indomitable spirit. I love these definitions, don't you? It means to be resolute, to have fortitude, courage, resolve, backbone, metal, spirit, strength of will. So he's telling us have strength of will, toughness, determination, tenacity, endurance. The synonym is guts. All right, you remember I've said to you every week that perseverance, grit, and passion. Perseverance, grit, and passion are more valuable to you in life than talent. They're more valuable than talent, all right? Potential is one thing. What we do with it is another, amen. And what we do with it is gonna require perseverance. It's gonna require grit. It's gonna require passion. The three feed each other, all right? Now, we are warned in scripture about the pressures, the temptations of waving the white flag, all right, and about not growing wearied and tired. Remember Hebrews 12, that we not grow wearied and tired and faint in our minds, all right, that we don't cave in to that, that pressure that's applied to us, right, to, to grow wearied and tired and faint in our minds. Let me give you that, that, that word weird there. It means faint-hearted, weak. So don't, don't, go, don't get weak in your mind, feeble, to have it badly, Right? You look around, you're oh, my life, you know, I just have it badly. You know, it's about your focus. Remember, we talked last time about your perception, right? That reality isn't what it is, it's what we perceive it to be. So, how is my, perfect, my perception, right? How am I looking at my life, myself, my loved ones, the opportunities that are presented to me, right? How am I looking at that, right? To have it badly, to grow impatient or dissatisfied. It means to crumble or to break down. Would you remember that part? To break down. The word faint means to cease to be able. Well, again, right? We've studied it, we looked at it before. You know, you can't cease to be something if you weren't that something already. So to cease to be able means I come to a place in my life that because of circumstances or my perception, or things going on, or what I feel, or what I hear, or what have been said to me, or said about me. You know what happens to me? I cease to be able. Oh, I thought I could do that, but I can't do that. You know, you cease to be able. It means to become a coward, right? The antonym means to be of good courage and to be bold, okay? So we've been looking at this, right? And as we've been going through this study, you know, I, we, we spent a, a good deal of time on overcoming discouragement. You know, we talked about how, how the nation of Israel came to the promised land and the 10 leaders discouraged the hearts of the 2 million. And the word discouraged there means they turned their hearts to water and water always follows the path of least resistance. And so we said, you know, that, that, that if in my life, in your life, as we as a church even, if we start following the path of least resistance, it's always a sign that you're discouraged, right? That you're discouraged, that you're, you, you're growing weird and tired and fainting in your mind. 
And so, you know, uh, th- then we talked about perception. And then last week we spent, we came back and looked at more manifestations of discouragements. But this week, I want to I look at this whole situation, right? We looked at this, these things about discouragement in the light of what went on with the nation of Israel uh, going into the promised land. So tonight, though, I want to focus on a different aspect of that whole experience in the nation of Israel. I want us to look at it now of when they start going into the promised land. So if you have your Bible with you tonight, turn with me to the book of Joshua, uh, the first chapter, Joshua chapter 1. All right, Joshua, I think, is the fifth or sixth book in the Old Testament. So go there, the book of Joshua. It's one of the, it's right after the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Now let me give you a little setup, right? Okay, so as I said, the last two weeks, we've looked at the last two or three weeks, we've looked at discouragement and perception and how discouragement affects our perception of how we see things and look at things, right? And we saw how the different ways, several different ways, I think it was five or six different definitions of the word discouragement, of how discouragement tries to invade our hearts, causing us to surrender, to give up, or to settle for ordinary or mediocre in life. In other words, to wave the white flag. All right, to give up, to surrender, which is exactly what Jesus told us not to do and exactly that we should not do. Can I hear a good amen tonight, right? Say it with me. I burn the white flag. Amen. All right. Now, we have looked at several examples of the nation of Israel uh, in uh, approaching the, the promised land and going into the promised land about discouragement, what went on. As I said a moment ago, now I want us to look at this circumstance from a different perspective as we look at Joshua. Now, Joshua is taking over command for Moses. Well, let's read it. All right, Joshua chapter 1. You should have it by now. Are you there? All right, if you're not there by now, look on with somebody else. Okay, it's just not going to happen. Joshua chapter 1 verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass. That the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over the Jordan River, you and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Now, watch what he says to them. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses. What verb tense is have given? Past tense. Okay, make note of that. We're going to come back to that in a moment. From the wilderness and of this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not be any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so, so I shall be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. Now, what is going on here? Okay, so they're going into the promised land. I want you to see what happens here, okay? So he's going to lead the nation, right? And before I go any further, can we all agree on this? That Joshua was one great leader. 
Amen. He was one great leader. Okay. And so now he is going to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land that was theirs 40 years before, but they didn't go in because the parents of this, of this generation said, we're not able, we can't do it. They ceased to be able, right? You know what they did? They crumbled. They became cowards. They waved the white flag. They surrendered. They, their perception was we're grasshoppers. All those things we've looked at, okay, that robbed them. And now nation, Joshua is leading the children into the promised land. Now, let's tell the truth today. This is not a nation that is known for being good followers, right? These people were known for grumbling and complaining. And the first sign of adversity, let's go back to Egypt, right? Let's go back. Back to Egypt. At least there we had this or that or whatever. Of course, the whole time they're there, they're crying out to God to deliver them. Okay? It's weird. All right? But they're not known for this. Okay? Yet, he will get them to go into the promised land and possess it. Would you underline that in your thinking? Possess it. Okay? The land's not going to just fall into their hands. They're going to have to go in and possess it. They're going to have to take it from the inhabitants that are there. Okay. How's he going to do this? Number one, right? Number one, one, one way, one reason he's going to be able to do this is because the parents of these children learned from their mistake and changed their attitudes and got their kids ready to go into the promised land. Right. It's like I said to you before. Now I don't want you to be offended when I say it's just the way I talk to myself. Right. Charles, don't pass stupid, stupid downward, okay? You know, change the fruit that you're eating. Don't let your kids eat the same fruit you may have eaten. Get them a different fruit, amen? So a different seed gets on the inside of them. Let's give the Lord a great hand clap for that thought, amen? All right? So he says here, so, so the parents prepared them. They got them ready. All right, number two, Joshua had wisdom from God on how to do this, all right? He had wisdom from God on how to do this. Now, you're going to see what that wisdom was. Are you ready? How many of you think this is applicable to you and me? All right? So Joshua chapter 1. So God gives Israel clear instructions. He gives Joshua clear instructions. I want you to go in. Your boundaries are from here to there, from this to that, right? This is the land that I've given you. I've placed it in your hand. Uh, he gave them clear instructions. Now, why is that important? Why is that important, right? Well, because Proverbs 23, 7 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. You know, as I watch my life, as I watch other people's lives, as I talk to people, as I look at people around me in general, I'm amazed at, at, and, and what is becoming more clear to me is how many people live with no vision in their life, right? They really don't have a plan. They're not really moving towards anything definite and of purpose, right? As far as they look is Friday and Saturday, okay? 
Uh, it's just that they, they don't have that. They don't have it in their relationships. They don't have it in their finances. They don't have it in raising their kids. They don't have it in how they want to have their retirement. You know, they just, they don't have it in, in their life concerning spiritual realities, right? There's no vision. And where there is no vision, the people perish. Or the literal text says they're scattered. They live like wild, untamed horses. One translation says they're destroyed. So having no vision in my life plays into Satan's plan. The thief comes to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. So God gives them clear vision. So I ask myself, do I have vision? Do I have a purpose to my life? Do I, am I focused? Do I have things out in front of me? Am I moving towards those things? Do I have a goal? Do I have something in front of me? Boy, you need it, amen? And especially we need that vision painted by the Holy Spirit on the canvas of our hearts. All right, then there's another verse that deals with vision. Habakkuk, the Old Testament prophet, Habakkuk chapter two, verse two. He says, write the vision down, which Joshua did, make it plain, or simple, so they that read it can run with it. So God says, okay, here's your vision. You know, God has a vision for your life. It's John 10, 10. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, right? So God has a vision for your life. Because there's many other verses, right? But that one's simple to start with. I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. So that needs to be my vision. I need to be moving towards that, okay? Living in the kingdom experiencing the abundant life that Jesus came to give me, focusing, moving forward, right? Not going to wave the white flag, not going to become a coward, not going to let myself be convinced that I'm not able, not going to cave in, not going to faint, not going to crumble, not going to break down, all right? Now, there is more to all that than just having uh, willpower, although willpower is powerful, it's important. But there is also this instruction, okay? So watch what begins to happen. So they have clear vision. Now watch what he says beginning in verse 6. He speaks to Joshua. He speaks to you and me. He said, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shall you divide for an inheritance the land which I swore in your fathers to give them. Verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous. Two verses, same instruction. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. All right, so God in verse 6, he says, have good courage. In verse 7, he says to be very courageous. Only be strong. That you may observe to do according to the instructions that Moses gave you, right? Turn not from it to the right or to the left, that you may prosper whithersoever you go. Now look here, he warns us, said, now look, there's going to be pressure on your life to go to the right or the left, right? All kinds of winds, all kinds of rumors, all these things we've talked about, right, that come to get us to burn the white flag. So there's all of these stuff that goes on around us, right? Negativity, criticism, fault finding, all of those things we've looked at, right? The contradiction of sinners against us, you know, the mocking, the ridicule, right? All of these things we've looked at. And he says, but, but, but make sure, right, and what will keep you on track is your commitment to doing what the Word of God says to do. 
to stay on track. He said, don't go to the right or the left. Because if you're, if you're doing what God said to do, then you will prosper with us wherever you go. How will you prosper with us wherever you go? Because you are going in harmony with God's instruction on how to have the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. Amen. This is absolutely so good. All right, now jump with me for the case of study. So in verse 6, he says, be strong and of good courage. Verse 7, he says, be strong and very courageous. Look at verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. So three times in these verses, right, in four verses, God tells Joshua, tells us, that if you're going to have the promised land, be strong and of good courage, right? Now, why did Joshua need to hear this? Why did he need to hear it? Let me tell you why. He needed to hear this, right? Because Joshua knew what the promised land was like. Did you write that down? <laughs> Joshua knew what the promised land was like. How did he know that? Well, he'd been there 40 years before, remember? He spent 40 days in the promised land. He'd been there. And he knew that in that promised land, get ready, were 31 kings living in their fortified cities that had armies that had been able to be built up over the 40 years they were wandering around in the wilderness. They knew they were still out there. All right? And so they had gotten themselves ready. 31 kings with armies and cities that would resist them. Now we need to remember this, my family. Please hear me. If you're not listening to anything what I've said up to now, please start listening now. I hope you have been listening up till now. All right? We should remember, Joshua was a type and a shadow of the Lord Jesus, and the nation of Israel is a type and a shadow of us. We also meet resistance to having the John 10.10 life, to having the abundant life that Jesus came to give us, to living abundantly. We also will meet resistance, right? And we also need to hear this instruction that as we go in to possess the kingdom of God that God has given us, that he has placed us in, we also are going to meet resistance. We also are going to have to fight these realities that come against us, right? These kings, so to speak, that each of us fight in our life, that we overcome in order to possess the kingdom of God. Now, God says to Joshua, says to you and me, that as we go into enjoying the abundant life that Jesus came to give, give us, let's not be surprised because there is resistance. Jesus told us we would have resistance in John 16, 33. He said, have courage when you meet temptations. In this world, you'll have temptations, tests, and trials. Have courage. Courage. In other words, don't break down. Don't wave the white flag. Don't quit. Go get your promised possession. Amen. All right? Your life can get better. Your life can get better. Your life can get better. Do you believe that? You know, it's not enough for me to believe it only. You need to believe it too. Now look what else he says to him here. 
All right. He said, be strong and of good courage or very courageous. The word strong means overpower. Overpower this resistance. Overpower it. Right? Overpower it. It means good courage, very courageous. He says, be determined. Write these words down. You need to start thinking about these words. Be determined. Are you, de- are you determined? Are you determined? Are you determined? Have you made that determination, that determination in your life to be determined? Huh? Are you determined? It means to be bold, to conquer. Listen to this. To harden the attitude of your heart. That doesn't mean you become cold and mean. It means you toughen up buttercup. Amen? I'm going to have this. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to crumble. I'm not going to break down. I'm not going to become a coward. I'm going to burn the white flag. I'm not going to have it in my back pocket carrying around with me. Amen? So here God's instructing us and telling us it means to persist in activity, to be better or superior. Right? So to be better, be better than your opposition. Be superior to your opposition. And you need to see yourself this way. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? So here we're looking at this great thought. Right? Now look at verse 9 with me again. He said, have I not commanded you to be strong and of good courage? Be not afraid. The word afraid there means uh, don't tremble. Don't tremble. It means do not be in awe of what you're going to see when you go into the promised land. Wow, you know, man, my problems are so bad. I've got it so bad. You know what you're being? You're being in awe of the problem. Where you need to be in awe of God's goodness and greatness on your behalf. Turn your focus. Get your perception back. Amen. All right? It means also to strike with dread. You know, in Isaiah verse eight, verse 12, chapter 8, verse 12, it says, don't be afraid of the people that confederate against you or people that, that join together to fight against you. He said, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. That's a good word for somebody. Don't be afraid of them. Ah, oh, Pastor, you know, these people at work, so what? You know, pastor, you know, these other people over there. So, well, my competition, you know, is, is joined with someone else and they're, they're coming in. So what? He said, don't be afraid of those that join together to fight you. He said that. Go home and look it up. Isaiah 8, 12. He said, don't be afraid of them. Right? Don't be struck with dread, with dread. Right? And then he said, don't be dismayed. The word dismayed means to be shattered, to be scared, to break. So clearly he's talking here about wearied and tired and fainting in our minds, huh? That we don't break, that we don't get scared, that we don't shatter under the pressure. All right, good teaching, good instruction. But what gets you to that place? What takes you to where that doesn't happen to you? That's the question. Hmm? That's the question. How did Joshua get that into his heart? I'm going to remind you again, he knew what was coming. God told him, God speaks of the end from the beginning. I've given you the land. I'm No one's going to be able to stand in front of you. Be strong and of good courage. Observe to do. You'll prosper in what you do. All that good stuff. But what does he tell him? What does, you know, all of that is the end from the beginning. But how do you get from the beginning to the end? Amen? 
God speaks of the end from the beginning. You and I live from the beginning to the end. All right, so God tells us how it's going to be, but then he also tells you how to get to what it's going to be. All right, did you get that? I hope you did. All right, so back up with me to verse 7 and 8. He says, only be thou strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law or all of the instructions which Moses gave you and commanded you. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper with us wherever you go. This book of the law, or let's read it this way. The, this book of the word shall not depart out of your mouth. Oh, it always seems to come back to heart and mouth, doesn't it? So this word shall not depart out of your mouth. He says, but you shall meditate therein day and night. Why? That you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. That you may observe. The word observe simply means that you may understand so you can do it or apply it to your life. For then you shall make your way prosperous. Why? Why? How, how, how are you so sure you're going to make your way prosperous? Think about it. Back up. That you may observe to do. So you are doing, and if you are doing what God's word instructs, then your way is his way, and that way is prosperous, and you shall have good success. And you shall have good success. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a husband as the word of God instructs me. I'm going to be a wife as the word of God instructs me. I'm going to be a parent as the word of God instructs me. I'm going to go to work as the word of God instructs me. I'm going to respond to things the way the word of God instructs me to respond. Why? Because then I'm observing to do. And then I will make my way prosperous and I will have good success. Now, God's instruction for what Joshua needed to do was internal. Now, he still had to go out and fight the fights. He still had to go out and battle the 31 kings. He still had to run the country. So there's outer activity, come on now, and internal activity in my life, in your life. All right? What I've observed is that the inner many times gets neglected because we are so focused on the outer. And we need to, well, Pastor, I don't have time to sit at the house and meditate in the Word uh, all the time like you do. Hey, Bubba, neither did Joshua. He had 31 kings that were going to come against him. He had cities he had to conquer. He had 2 million people he had to feed and water, and provide shelter for every day. The man, plus, he had a wife and kids of his own. The man had a lot on his plate. Can we agree to that? More than I have, probably more than you have. So this instruction was applicable. This isn't a, Joshua didn't live in a fairy tale world. He didn't sit in the tent and meditate all day. He was out on the battlefield. He was leading the armies. He was going into the cities. He led the procession around Jericho seven days in a row. Joshua was there. He was in it. He was living like you and I live, but he did what he needed to do internally so he could be a success externally. And oftentimes it's this internal 
that gets neglected, that we quit, that we forget about. Why? Because of all of the life happenings on the outside. So God tells him right from the start, he lays it out for him and tells him to meditate in the word, right? To, to put the word in his mouth and to meditate in that word. And he said, if he would meditate in that word, then he would observe to do. He would observe to do, right? The word observe to do means that he'll watch, he'll keep, he'll be careful, he'll be on guard. He said, you'll maintain. So meditating in the word, which I'm gonna teach you how to do it now, meditating in the word keeps us on track. We don't go to the right. We don't go to the left, right? We're not distracted, right? We stay in our lanes on the freeway. Hmm? I'm not going to be pulled off, as the Message Bible says, off of the freeway by the sideshow attractions. I wish it had translated like this, by the sideshow distractions, okay, that are trying to get me off of the freeway of God's wisdom. Hmm? Family, friends, the world, whatever. Problems, doubt, unbelief, all those things that come up in our lives. All right? Now, he said that if I, if I meditate in the word, then I will observe to do. And I will prosper. The word prosper means my life will show a profit. My life will flourish. How many of you not want your life to flourish? Huh? Don't we want our marriages to flourish? Don't we want our kids growing up around us, our grandkids? Growing? Don't we want them all to flourish? Huh? Don't we all want our church to flourish? Don't we want our companies, our relationships, our friendships? Huh? Don't we want them to flourish? Come on, say amen tonight. Don't we want that? Isn't that what we want? Well, guess what? So does God. So does your father. He wants that for your life. He wanted that for them. He wants it for us. And he says here that as I'm, going into life and I'm fighting these kings, I'm fighting these battles, I'm overcoming these things that rise up against me to resist me from having the abundant life, right? From having the abundant life that Jesus wants me to have, that I need to make sure that in my life, I'm meditating in the word in the daytime and at nighttime. What I simply think that means is he means at every opportunity, right? Don't waste your time. So then I got to ask myself this question, what am I meditating on internally? Am I meditating on God's word, words and God's wisdom so I can walk in his ways? What am I meditating on? Am I meditating on God's instructions to me as a husband, God's instructions to you as a wife? Am I meditating on that or am I meditating on what I see on TV? or what I've had modeled in front of me by family and friends. What am I meditating on? Hmm? What am I meditating on about how to handle my money? What am I meditating on in, in relationship to the, to, the, to the things I hear in society that so often are filled with fear and worry and anxiety, right, that are trying to get us to crumble, trying to get us to break down, trying to get us to go to the right, go to the left, huh? What am I meditating on? Now, let me give you the definition of the word meditate. The word meditate has two basic or three basic definitions. Number one, it means to revolve in your mind. So God says, take the word of God, put it on that revolving disc in your mind and revolve that word in your mind. Now, 
This doesn't happen by accident, my family. This happens on purpose. Right? We meditate on things all day, every day. Come on, give me a good amen. I couldn't hear you. Give me a good amen. All right, we meditate on things all day long, things revolving in our mind, right? We replay movie scenes. We replay memories, you know. We replay, you know, how great we were 25 years ago. We replay, you know, special events, and all that's fine. But what God is saying to you is, revolve my word in your mind. Make it a daily activity, day and night. Put my word, and as you revolve that word in your mind, what does he say will happen? You'll begin to get understanding. Look at it. He said that you may observe to do. That you may observe to do. That simply means you'll get it. You'll understand it, right? So you begin to revolve the word in your mind. Huh? You take God's instructions. You take God's wisdom. And you make this a part and you understand this is God's instruction for the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. That you practice meditating in God's word, revolving the word in your mind. Do you understand that, right? That's not hard to grasp. Okay, what am I thinking about? Huh? Is God's word, am I inserting God's word into my revolutions in my mind on purpose? that I may observe to do. Do you want to understand the word? Right, of course you do. That's why you're here on Wednesday night, right? You want to understand the word, all right? Well, a part of that is meditating. Okay, here's the second definition. It means to speak to yourself in a low tone of voice. So this is the part where he said, don't let the word depart from your mouth, okay? So put the word into your mouth. So part of meditating is speaking the word to yourself. Now, I do, I've trained myself. To, I do this all the time. I do it in my car. I do it when I'm standing in lines, right? Instead of reading the crummy headlines or the silly headlines of the things in the grocery store, right? I'll stand there and I'll meditate in the word and I'll think it in my mind and I'll speak it to myself, right? In a low tone of voice. I'm not trying to draw attention to myself, right? People say, oh, that's crazy. Well, they don't think it's crazy when you stand there singing a song to yourself. They don't think it's crazy when you stand there with a thing in your ear and you're talking on the phone and nobody can tell. Nobody thinks that's crazy. But it's crazy to do this. No, it's not crazy to do this. It's smart to do this, right? To meditate in the Word. I do it on airplanes all the time. I'll get on the plane, you know, 14-hour flight. I'll spend the first hour or so just going over scriptures and meditating them in my mind and speaking them to myself and, and listening to them and thinking about how that word applies to my current situation in my life and how that word applies to my attitudes and my feelings and my, my, my approach and my vision and where I want my life to be in five years and 10 years and the kind of husband I want to be, the kind of father, the kind of grandfather, the kind of friend, the kind of pastor, you know, the kind of disciple I want to be. And I meditate on those words and, and I think about it. Why? Because in doing that, in speaking it, it begins to open up to me. I can't explain it to you any other way than that. But it brings about, it's like the shell cracks. It's like the mystery begins to open, right? The book of Proverbs says the wisdom of God is hidden for the just. So the word is there and we can open it up and get it, all right? Said so to revolve, to speak to yourself in a low tone of voice. Listen to this, it also means to growl like a lion. That's a good one, huh? There's times in your life where you got to get your growl back. Can I hear a good amen? Huh? Now, you may not do it literally, like I do sometimes, but uh, you do it internally. 
you get your growl back, right? Why? Because you're being told you can't have this. You can't achieve this. You can't do that. You can't prosper. The word prosper there means to break forth. It's different than breaking down, huh? To break forth, to become mighty, to succeed, to be victorious. Wow. Huh? You'll have good success. In other words, it means you'll act with insight. Plainly put as we close tonight. In doing what we understand from God, we will prosper. Let me say it again. In doing what we understand from God, we will prosper. And we get understanding through meditating. Meditating the word you may observe to do. Amen. Wow, did you learn some good things tonight? I hope you did. Put this into practice in your life. Huh? Meditating the word, put it in there. God bless you. I love you. I'll be back next Wednesday night for another teaching on Don't Burn the White Flag. You're going to love it. God bless you. I love you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. For information on teaching material or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com.